Every year, there are nearly identical bills that pop up in state legislatures across the country. And it's happening this year, too. The discussion happened during a subcommittee meeting in Nashville today. That question is at the center of the campus free speech debate here in Wisconsin. The Utah legislature is considering a bill that would restrict what type of speech can be punished on college campuses. I'm Emily Means. And I'm Sonia Hudson. This is 45 Days. Every week, we try to shed some light on one big issue at the Utah legislature. This time, we're talking about model bills that get copy and pasted in Capitol buildings all across the United States, including here in Utah. Not all of the bills that the Utah legislature brings forward actually starts with those lawmakers. What are we seeing this year? There is a bill about free speech on college campuses and also one that bans transgender girls from participating in girls sports in Utah public schools. And we'll dive into how those ended up in our state legislature a little bit later. Well, first, let's back up a little bit. How does this even work and what is going on behind the scenes? There are lots of different ways that this can play out. Lawmakers can just chat with lawmakers from other states and get advice on how to approach the issue. There are organizations that do that also in legislatures across the country. There are also organizations that will publish legislation that lawmakers can bring back to their state houses. They may change it slightly to fit their state's legal code, but all in all, it's usually about the same bill. Sonia, what are these organizations? The most famous one is ALEC. That's an acronym, and it stands for the American Legislative Exchange Council. It's a pro-business conservative organization that's been around for decades, since the 1970s. They post model policies online, and state lawmakers get their hands on them and bring them back to their state houses and try to get them through. Utah has a pretty strong connection with ALEC, actually. Senate President Stuart Adams is the chairman this year. When you look at their policies, tax reform, scaling back regulations and licensing requirements, those line up pretty well with how a lot of Utah Republicans approach policy. Is this kind of like like a -a Build-A-Bear workshop? (laughs) You've got the basics made for you, your basic bear, and then you dress it up any way you want. Yeah, I think it's a little bit like that, like a -a Build-A-Bill workshop. Hey! (laughs) To take us into this Build-A-Bill workshop, I talked to Leah Murray, and she's a political scientist at Weber State University. We started off by walking through how organizations like ALEC actually work. ALEC is one example of a national interest group that figured out that the ability to affect policy is much less controlled and monitored, if you will, at the state level. And so what they do is they host these annual events and invite legislators to come. And then in between the annual events that they are having, they create task forces around particular issues of interest. You know, it's a group of like-minded individuals who are interested in legislation. So here's the thing. What happens is Utah has what we call a citizen legislature. And what that means is Utah has 45 days to do all the things, which is not a lot of time. All the things crammed right in there. All the things, right, right, right. And Utah doesn't have a lot of resources for staff. 
what happens with a group like Alec and these model bills is it makes your life a little easier, right? So you are able to say, all right, here's a piece of legislation. It addresses an issue I know my intern said a constituent called about, right? It's written really well, right? Because they're smart people. They have writing for them. And then they file that bill. Why do lawmakers choose to run these model bills without really changing them all that much? Well, I would argue because they agree with them. So it's not like a legislator shows up and goes, I had no thoughts. Do you know what I mean? Like they go and they have ideas. And so they're thinking, I've got some ideas. All right. Um, You know what I mean? Like this works. Why reinvent the wheel? Yeah, like let's do it. (laughs) Let's just do it. So what happens is it's really not different from anyone chatting with a member of a state legislature. And so the ideas for legislation come from everywhere, if that makes sense. So members are going to use them if they can get them. Alec as an organization, basically, instead of creating policy at the federal level, they in some ways do this patchwork of state policy to create as much of a federal policy as is possible. That is correct. So the way that I've heard it described is you imagine I'm a sports fan, so I apologize for using a sports metaphor, but it's like if the Congress is the World Series, right? So it's Major League Baseball, the states might be farm teams, but it's still baseball, right? So you can still have an effect. And if I can get the states to do it where I have interests or operating interests, then, you know, maybe even better than a national policy, because quite frankly, what's interesting about it is Most people have never heard of them. So think about your interest groups who operate at a national level. They become like boogeymen. The NRA or the ACLU, they become the names that people are up in the night thinking about. No one's really up in the night thinking about ALEC. Is there a version of ALEC, a similar organization that appeals to Democrats or more liberally minded people? So I did go looking for this. And I'll tell you that I think it's somewhat complicated. So in the way that... I've mentioned like the Congress is kind of the major leagues, right? And like states are the farms. To a certain extent, over the last few decades, the Republican Party has been much more interested in the farm team. They invest quite a bit in state legislatures. So they invest in candidates. They invest in getting people elected who they think are going to tout the party line, right? They're very invested in that. Democrats, which were much more interested at the national level over the last few decades. So to a certain extent, there wouldn't be a reason, how do I say this, for a national interest group to align so clearly with Democratic interests because the Democrats are going to be at the more national level. However, things are changing. So Democrats are beginning to move in that direction. I would argue Georgia is an example of this. You've got Stacey Abrams going, we could be blue. And then doing it, right? Whereas national Democrats would have been like, we would never invest in Georgia. So it's possible in the next decade or so, we'll start to see that on the left. I just don't think we see it yet. But even so, they have a lot of catching up to do. (laughs) Yes. I do think adjustments are being made. Georgia, Texas, Arizona. I mean, you could see the, the fruits of that labor, but they are very far behind. Zooming out even further, what is the net effect across the country of these model bills that pop up in state legislatures, you know, all all the way across the country? I think our natural impulse is it to be annoyed by it or to feel like something hinky is going on. Okay, so why is it the case that a model bill fits Utah and Florida? 
And I think that bothers us. And I think it maybe is right to bother us um, because the idea is Utah supposedly is different from Florida. Yeah, that's the whole point of having individual state legislatures. That is absolutely right. So, you know, (laughs) if it is the case that I can just run this legislation across 36 states, then you're really thinking about what representation means. Why is my local person doing something exactly the same as a local person in Wisconsin? But then maybe the answer is twofold. Like I said already, they need help. (laughs) So our legislators, especially the ones who don't have staff and don't have a ton of time, they need help. If you see it from that direction, it doesn't feel as hinky. But when we think about what is the role of local and state legislation, what you said is exactly right. We would expect, hey, Utah is so unique right? That there should be nothing similar here to any other state. I think another answer to this is quite frankly, we're not. (laughs) So what we're noticing is, is as the world gets smaller, people are different, cultures are different, problems represent very similarly, right? So to a certain extent, maybe it is the case that the way Wisconsin does this is the best way to do it. Leah Murray, political science professor at Weber State University. Thanks so much. Thank you very much for having me. Sonia, Leah Murray brought up a really interesting philosophical question when it comes to this type of model legislation. Are these organizations helpful to lawmakers by giving them legislation that's already been successful in other states? Or do they show that outside groups have too much influence in Utah's policies. So what what do people think about that? I think a lot of people probably fall somewhere in the middle on that. Lawmakers probably tend to skew a little bit more toward thinking these bills are helpful, and the public tends to skew more toward being critical of this idea that outside influence can be a positive thing in making policy, which I think you could probably apply to pretty much everything about how legislation gets passed. People don't like lobbyists. They're suspicious of legislators meeting privately to craft policy. Mm -hmm. But people tend to criticize this when it's about policy they don't really agree with, right? Sure. How does this process play out in Utah? Like I mentioned in the beginning of the episode, there are a few ways that we end up with legislation that closely resembles bills in other states. The most straightforward way is for lawmakers to take a bill that is published by an organization like ALEC and file it in their state legislature. And there is an ALEC bill this year, right? The one about free speech on college campuses? Yeah, this is an ALEC bill that actually started in Utah, according to the lawmaker who originally ran it. That's former Representative Kim Coleman. She first sponsored it a few years ago, and she was a Republican lawmaker from West Jordan for six years. Coleman says she brought the legislation to ALEC and they adopted it and worked on it and put it on their website so you can go see it there. So this process can work both ways, coming into the state from elsewhere and also starting here. Well, what does this specific bill do? The bill would make it a lot harder for colleges and universities to discipline students for things that they say to other students. So, for example, if student A said something to student B that student B found offensive, if this bill passes, universities would only be able to discipline student A if their speech was so discriminatory that 
Actually, let me just pull this up and read it to you because it's quite a lengthy definition. I'll read some of it. Quote, is so severe, pervasive, and objectively offensive that it severely undermined another student's access to their education. So if I copy and pasted that language into Google, I would get hits from a bunch of different states. You sure would. And one of the states that visited this build-a-bill workshop and took home this language is Tennessee. The state legislature there passed it in 2017, but in Utah, it hasn't had as good a luck. It's been voted down several years in a row now. Okay, Alec is an example of the most straightforward way this build-a-bill workshop works. How else do we end up with the same bills as in other states? The other way is for national organizations that specialize in whatever subject area the bill is about to help out lawmakers with research and even crafting some language that makes it into the bill. A good example of that is a bill this year that prevents transgender girls from participating in girls sports in Utah public schools. Idaho passed one of these bills last year, but it's actually been on hold there while a lawsuit plays out over the law. The Utah bill sponsor is Representative Kira Berkland, and she says she worked on the bill with the sponsor of the Idaho law, and they met at a conference in Park City, actually. Berkland is pretty much a freshman lawmaker, though. This is her first general session, and that's something Leah Murray said makes her more likely to use model legislation. Absolutely. Berkland has also gotten some legal advice from the Alliance Defending Freedom or the ADF, which is a conservative legal group that has actually been labeled a hate group by the Southern Poverty Law Center. The ADF also intervened in that Idaho lawsuit and is representing two female college athletes in it. How many other states have bills like this one? There is about a dozen of them across the country this year. What do lawmakers have to say about running the same bill in Utah as other lawmakers are running in Alabama or Tennessee or Wisconsin? The politicians who run these bills, like former Representative Kim Coleman, who worked on the free speech bill, they find model legislation really helpful. I like that, that I can look to other legislators across the country and realize so many of our challenges are very similar. And and if if a state has tried something and it's worked or not worked, you know, that I can learn from that and our state can can learn from other states. How common is model legislation in Utah? Like, how do we compare to other states? It is really hard to get any sort of data on this partially because there are informal arrangements, like I just explained with the transgender bill, and partially because there doesn't seem to be an organization that tracks all of this. And just in general, it was really difficult to find information about model legislation, which I think feeds into that public distrust that we were talking about earlier. All right, Emily, what else happened in Utah politics this week? First thing, lawmakers are working on a bill that would limit the governor's powers during an emergency. They're considering this bill that would do things like allow the legislature to vote down an executive order from the governor and limit the governor's ability to renew a public health emergency order after it expires. Number two, 
A Senate committee approved a bill to increase penalties for rioting. It would also prevent rioters from getting out of jail on bail. And this was something that came out of last summer's racial justice protests. One of the most controversial parts of the bill gives immunity to someone driving a car who hits or kills a protester if the driver feared for their life. And number three, Senator Mitt Romney is working on a bill to raise the federal minimum wage, which is currently $7.25 an hour, and that's the same as Utah's minimum wage. It would gradually raise the minimum wage to increase with inflation, but it would also require employers to verify the legal status of their employees. That does it for this week on 45 Days. I'm Sonia Hudson. And I'm Emily Means. The show was edited by Caroline Ballard and produced by Roddy Nickport. Chelsea Naughton is our digital editor. Trisha Bobita is KUER's podcast manager. Our news director is Elaine Clark, and the station manager is Joel Meyer. 45 Days is a production of KUER. We also send out a newsletter every Monday that recaps the previous week in politics. You can sign up for that newsletter at 45days.org. That's the number 45days.org. Talk to you next week. Build-A-Bear workshop. Did you ever go to those when you were a kid? No, I didn't. I just looked longingly in the windows instead. It's really cute that you could put like a little felt heart in there. So maybe the heart is like Alec. (laughs) From KUER.